Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. Welcome to church this beautiful Sunday. Glad you guys made it instead of just staying outside and playing hooky and games and the sunshine and warmth. Uh, I know that's where I'd rather be sometimes, right? Um, Maybe we should just go outside and I'll yell at everybody and then you can go. Kind of old school Baptist. Uh, But instead, well, we'll do a little bit of Bible study, a little bit of looking today after a couple of quick announcements. So glad everybody's here. Our nursery, we're still working on getting the nursery going. I think we've got some folks in the nursery this morning. So if you're interested in utilizing the nursery uh, today, we've got a couple of great volunteers in the back. We're still looking for more volunteers to make sure we can fill out our schedule. You can email nursery at faithlakeside.com to uh, let us know you're interested. If you can pass a background check and you uh, promise to be nice to the kids, we would love for you to be part of our nursery program. Uh, We've got uh, great teams we're going to put together for accountability's sake, and so it's going to be good stuff. Uh, Do ask that if you're a parent and you know you're going to be utilizing the nursery in the coming weekends and stuff to about every Friday, just email nursery and let them know that you're planning on coming and having your child uh, join us in the nursery, whether it's first thing at the service or even after the worship and you just want to be able to, to, uh, you know, enjoy the sermon without the squirm, Uh, however that works, just so we know to staff. Uh, We've had in the past some instances where we've got great volunteers sitting back there playing Scrabble and, you know, Sudokus and stuff, waiting for kids, and that the kids never show. So we want to make sure that we're making good use of our volunteers' time, but also meeting everybody's needs. A couple of other things. Baptism. We will be doing a baptism next Sunday. We've got one lined up, so Palm Sunday. It's going to be a great uh, Sunday then. And also Easter Sunday, the water will still be there and fresh and available. So if anybody would like to be baptized, whether it's a first-time following after God in obedience, following a profession of faith, or it's a a, a rededication, a renewal in your life. You've maybe been wandering a little bit astray, and you've come back, and it's an act of repentance and renewal, a milestone in your life. We'd be happy to accommodate that. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Easter's in two weeks, so it's time to buy those chocolates that nobody needs and the sugar that nobody really appreciates as much as they should. I think we've still got some old Easter candy in the closet from last year that we forgot to put out, so we're just going to be using that. Uh, The kids are old enough, who cares, right? (laughs) Um, But anyway, Easter's just two weeks away, and just before Easter, of course, we'll be having Good Friday. Uh, We're not doing our our traditional crosswalk again this year just because of, of COVID concerns and still difficulties in getting permits and things. That's something we're looking to reestablish next year. But we will have uh, the sanctuary open this Good Friday, April 2nd, from 7 to 8.30. Uh, There'll be worship music playing, communion available. And so just a time for you to come and spend some time contemplating the sacrifice that was made for you on the cross. So uh, no service. Nobody's going to preach at you. We won't have a live band. We'll just have worship music playing but a really great opportunity for you to come to a a space that is set apart for worship and spend some time being thankful and partake of communion and remember what those elements mean, what that bread and that juice really should mean to us as Christians. So um, 
love to see all of you just come through five minutes, ten minutes, the whole hour and a half, however it works out for you to be able to spend some time in devotion on Good Friday. We're going to continue to look, even through the Easter season, in the Gospel of Mark. You're going to find that uh, next Sunday we are right on track when it comes to scheduling, and then we're going to fall behind. Because next Sunday, the Gospel of Mark takes us to the triumphal entry, which is what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. Uh, but uh, the, the next week, then, we're not quite to the crucifixion, so we'll be working through that. But don't worry, if you invite friends or family for Easter, and you want them to hear the Gospel and the life, death, um, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they will hear that. We're just going to take a little bit of a different track to make sure that they hear and understand that as we continue to look through the gospel of Mark. So remember that um, the whole point of this gospel is to bring us to an understanding that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He is the the promised king of the Old Testament, given to the, the Jewish people specifically, but throughout prophecy it's revealed that that king of the Jewish people, that son of David, that descendant, of King David will actually be the savior for the whole world. He will be the one that will cleanse mankind from sin. He will be the one that brings peace and righteousness as part of his kingdom. And Jesus' whole message throughout the gospel of Mark up to this point has been the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. And so he really, Jesus himself is trying to help us understand who he is and Mark in sharing these stories, these truths about Jesus and his teachings is helping us to understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And what, what's interesting is Jesus himself in chapter 10, verse 45, really sums up his mission here on earth in just one verse. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served. He didn't come to be a king in the traditional sense where we all think we should be groveling at his feet and, and uh, you know, sitting on a throne somewhere, but he came not to be served, but to serve others. In fact, not just others, but all of us who would receive the gift of his sacrifice. And he says he, he came not to serve, but to be served, excuse me, not to be served, but to serve and to give his own life as a ransom for many, to pay the price for sin, to take the wrath of the Father upon himself that we rightly deserve, and and then to give us, bless us with his righteousness through his perfect sinless life. And so that brings us to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. So if you've got your Bibles, encourage you to open them up. If you don't have a physical Bible, but you've got your Bible app, please pull that out. Uh, There should be today's sermon and sermon notes in there. And uh, we're going to read Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, uh, here in just a moment. But first, I kind of need to focus a little bit. Playing uh, on the guitar, it's not hard, but it's, it's a challenge for me because I haven't played in a while. So I don't know, if some of you who are musicians, you maybe watch me and go, what's he doing? Because I'm just like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all about tongue control, too, um, when you're playing guitar and you haven't practiced in a while. So... I need to focus just a sec, so let's pray together if you would join me um, in prayer. Father, what a privilege it is both to sing to you in worship, to be together in worship, to love on each other in worship, and so right now we seek to read the word that you've blessed us with in worship, that we would 
see these words that we would understand your son, the Christ, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, also one with you, that we would see him for who he is, we would understand his heart, and we would hear his voice today. Would you simply give us the privilege of being fully enveloped by you today as we submit to you in learning and worship? It's in your name that we pray, Lord Jesus, knowing that your name is not magical, but instead it is by your life, death, and resurrection that you have renewed us, you have restored us, you have saved us, and given us the privilege of coming before you. And so it's in that name, in that authority, in that gift we come. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, I, I just needed to focus a bit. So here we go, Mark chapter, Mark, that's Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. So if you would, read along with me in God's word. And, and it says, in, starting in verse 46, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So this is actually just a short little passage, just these seven verses. And, and as we read them, we might go, well, how are we going to get a message out of this? Oh, goody. Let me tell you, there's some awesome stuff in here as we dig and we see what Jesus is doing and saying just in the simple healing of a blind man. Now, you might go, like I do, simple healing of a blind man? I've never seen it happen in my life. And, and, and that's the case. Is this is a, a really simple miracle in the sense that Jesus, is, he just speaks and it's so. But, but it is so meaningful and so, so powerful as we watch a man who has been blind, it's assumed for his whole life, uh, regain his sight. So they come to Jericho and uh, Jesus and the disciples are leaving Jericho, and there's a great crowd, and we, we encounter Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, and he's sitting by the roadside outside of Jericho as they come out. So how many of you guys have heard this story before, this history before of Bartimaeus? And we've all, many of us have heard his name, Blind Bartimaeus. So a couple of interesting facts, and, and this is just for you Bible nerds who, you know, in Bible Trivial Pursuit or whatever Bible trivia game you like to play, um, his name is not technically Bartimaeus. Actually, what we see here is, is his name is, well, we don't know his name. Timaeus, Bartimaeus is actually his family name. Do you see it says he's the son of Timaeus? Well, in, in, in the Hebrew, for someone to be the son of someone, that's kind of how you got your last name, and it was called, or it was, it was uh, linguistically, there we go, the words they use would be Bar or son of Timaeus. So Bar Timaeus is not his first name, it's essentially his familial name or his last name. 
So just uh, that's one of those freebies, those little things I like to throw out because it, it, it actually intrigues me. So when we say his, his name, he's, um, we don't know his first name, but he's son of Timaeus. So interestingly enough, Timaeus, we don't know who he was. So essentially, we, we don't know who this guy was other than Mark gives us the privilege of seeing his name recorded here. Now, Matthew actually tells us there were two blind men. Or excuse me, Luke tells us, no, my notes are all messed up. Anyway, there were two blind men in one of the other Gospels. And that doesn't negate the story because only one of them gets spoken to. And we know who he is here in Mark. So when we see different stories in the two different Gospels, I'm just wondering why I didn't write it down. Now I'm really bothered. I'm going to be like in the back of my head. It's going to be going, Michael, why didn't you do your notes right? Um, But two blind men in some of the other Gospels, but that doesn't mean that this story is untrue. What it means is Mark chose to focus on one of them. And, And so there is not a contradiction in Scripture. Rather, it is understanding that each of the Gospels focuses on the stories of Jesus in specific ways to accomplish their goals. And Mark, his goal is to tell us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Matthew's goal is to help us to know that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the promised King of Israel uh, and has a much more Jewish focus. Luke, he has a much more Greek focus and his goal is to help us understand Jesus as the suffering servant and help us to see Jesus for all that he is. So we've got all kinds of different stories uh, where they focus differently to teach about Jesus. So many of us know the first like 10 chapters or so, Jesus has been up around the Sea of Galilee for most of what's, what's going on. But he's just now in the last week or two heading up to his last week of life. He's traveling south. And actually, it could have been as much as a couple of months that it takes him to do this as he's teaching and preaching. But Mark really truncates it and gives us a short journey from north up by the Sea of Galilee, down south towards the the Dead Sea, over where Jericho is, just across the Jordan River. And now the rest of Mark is going to focus on Jerusalem Jerusalem and Bethany as Jesus comes out of Jericho in this last week of his life before the crucifixion. So, Jesus and the disciples, they're walking out of Jericho, and all of a sudden, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, starts to cry out, hearing that Jesus is walking by, he starts screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, some of us might wonder, son of David, what does that mean? Who was Jesus, physic- or biolog- well, see, none of these words really work, who was his adopted father? Joseph, his, his legal father was Joseph, because Joseph was not Jesus' physical father in the sense of father, you know, hood, but instead, the Holy Spirit is the one who made Mary pregnant miraculously, and so Jesus is the son of God, he's the son of Joseph, but this, this beggar, this blind man, Bartimaeus, is calling him the son of David. Now, it's important to understand as we see who Jesus is that, that this is actually a cry out or a call out to his lineage as being part of the, the descendants of King David. And King David was promised that there would be a descendant who would come in time 
who would be the perfect king. He would establish God's kingdom forever. He would bring peace and healing. And you can see that in places like Samuel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, there are prophecies of this coming perfect king who would be of the physical lineage of David, a descendant of David, but he would be something more. He would be significant. He would be special. And so when we see Jesus being called the son of David, Bartimaeus hasn't made a mistake. No, no, I'm actually the son of Joseph, or no, I'm the son of God. Rather, Bartimaeus understands Jesus to be the fulfillment of this, these prophecies about a coming perfect king who would come through the, the lineage, the descendants of King David of old. And, and so Bartimaeus crying out, have mercy, or Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's actually saying essentially the same thing that Peter had said earlier in Mark. You are the Christ. You are the promised king. You are the Messiah. And so we see in Bartimaeus already this this faith in Jesus that not many people have expressed up until this point. It's interesting, we talk about saying that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. In the Gospel of Mark, what we've seen more than anything is that demons have been the ones proclaiming Jesus as the Christ, even more than the people that he's teaching and encountering to. It's not until we get to chapter 9 of Mark, that, that, uh, or the end of chapter 8, that, that Peter makes his profession of faith, that you are the Christ. And then this begins to slowly unfold to where we get to Bartimaeus, a blind man on the side of the road declaring, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the promised king. And he says, have mercy on me. And, and what he's really saying is, Jesus, I am in a state of complete need and dependence. And he is calling out, requesting aid because he is wretched. He is afflicted. In life, and he has great need. You see, he, he wasn't like some, some trust fund baby that just, hey, I'd love to have my sight back. Bartimaeus is sitting outside the gate of Jerusalem every day begging for money to live. And it tells us that, that he, he probably was sitting outside the gates and he had his cloak spread out over his lap, and people would drop things into his cloak, into his lap, in order to help him survive. So this man is not in a state of, you know, everything's fairly okay, but I just need meaning in my life. I wish somebody would give me a purpose. I, I, you know, I, I just like to be blessed. No, this is a man who understands that he is in desperate need of someone to rescue him from the way his life is. Now, I want you to think back Jesus encountered another person who came to him earlier in, in the gospel and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And if you remember, that man was wealthy, and that man was deeply religious, who believed himself to be perfectly righteous. But he also, when Jesus said, I, I want you to understand your need for me by, by selling all of your stuff and coming and following me, he walked away dejected because he had lots of stuff. But Bartimaeus, he understands his need for Jesus. 
He understands the desperate nature of his life, and he cries out to the king of all creation, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And he, he doesn't just say it once, but there, there are even some disciples, some, some of the followers of Jesus who are in the crowd there, and they're saying, listen, you need to be quiet. Nobody wants to hear from you, blind man. Just sit over here and things will work out, I'm sure. Instead of just being quiet, though, he says he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, uh, the crowd is likely embarrassed for him. Like, oh, poor Bartimaeus. I mean, nobody wants to see or, or respond to or deal with a blind man. And yet here he is all the more adamant that he needs help, that he needs rescue, that he needs something. Now, he doesn't cry out in these initial two cries, Son of David, heal me, make my sight come back. He simply longs for mercy, for, for aid of any kind from someone so powerful and amazing as Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David. Son of David, have mercy on me. And so we see Jesus. He stops and he says, hey, hey disciples, how about this? Call him over here. Let's get him over here. And I, I love what they say. They, they call him and they say to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. Take up, or take heart, get up. He is calling you. Now, as we just pause for a moment and look at, at the two different ways that disciples around Jesus, the followers of Jesus, responded to someone in desperate need, it's an interesting thing to note, isn't it? He cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they tell him, be quiet. There's no help for you. God doesn't have time for you. But then Jesus essentially rebukes them and says, you need to call him over to me. And then they go to him and say, hey, he actually wants you. <laughs> he actually wants to talk to you. He actually wants to, to deal with your, your, your call for mercy, Bartimaeus. It's interesting to, to note there, there were two different responses that the disciples had over the course of this encounter. One was to rebuke the person in need, and then one was to invite the person in need. And just as that quick aside, what kind of group of disciples are we? What kind of church are we? Do we rebuke those in need? Listen, you need to figure out things and get your life together, and then we'll help you to do devotions better. You know, and we'll, we'll teach you how to say the right words in prayer. And we'll show you what, what songs to sing and what passages to read. And, and we'll make you a good person with a tie and or a dress. Um, are we that kind of church, rebuking and judging? Are we those kinds of Christians? Where we look at somebody in need and wonder, why can't they just get their life together and then they could come to God? Or are we the kind of people in the kind of church that looks at others and says, oh look, someone at least as messed up as I am. Let's bring them in. Let's bring them to Jesus. Let's, let's show, him, show them who he is and how he loves us. So these disciples are both rebuking and inviting over the course of this experience. But we can see in church life how oftentimes we can be either of the rebuking kind 
or the inviting kind when it comes to dealing with others in need. Who are we? How do we behave? My my heart, my hope, is that our church, myself as an individual, each of us as individuals, would be the kind who, when we see someone in desperate need, and I'm not talking about financial need. I hope you understand that. I'm I'm not talking about broken down on the side of the road necessarily. What I'm talking about is when we see someone that is in our sphere of influence that we know is desperately broken spiritually. That we don't just sit back and, and, and imagine ourselves praying for them, but that we actually say, hey, come here. I know someone who's calling your name and wants to help heal things and invite them to Jesus. Now, we get Jesus calling Bartimaeus over, the disciples uh, saying to him, take heart, get up, because he's calling you. I I want you to get excited, Bartimaeus. Jesus is calling for you. And we see how Bartimaeus responds. It says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now, some things to understand about just this one simple sentence The truth is, is that Bartimaeus was a beggar. And it's very likely that everything he had in life was associated with this cloak. That that he had no other finer clothes in a closet at home. He, He didn't have another coat stashed away somewhere. He didn't have his Saturday best go to go to Sabbath meeting clothes. Instead, this cloak and what he had on him was all that he possessed. And not only that, there's a chance if if that cloak had been spread out for the day and it's a little later in the morning that there's already things that are of value to Bartimaeus gathered on that cloak, gifts and alms from, from folks who were passing by. And yet Bartimaeus, in hearing that he's been invited by Jesus, takes and he throws off the cloak and everything. He doesn't say, wait, wait, Jesus, give me a minute. Let me get my stuff together. I got to make sure that I gather all the coins, gather the little bits of bread that have been shared with me. I got to make sure I, I keep my stuff before I come to you. He throws it all away. He gets up and he goes to Jesus. It's this beautiful picture of someone coming to the Savior with reckless abandon. Just saying, I am in such desperate need that everything in the world that I have, everything that I thought was important before I encountered you, I'm finding out is worthless. I don't need to worry about it. I'm coming to you, Jesus. Now, once again, we can compare Bartimaeus with the rich young ruler that Jesus encountered earlier. When Jesus said, give up the things that are important to you, and come and follow me, how does the rich young ruler respond? Scripture says he was dejected, for he had lots of things, for he was very wealthy. He was unwilling to give up what he deemed to be important in order to receive what was most important. Bartimaeus was willing to sacrifice everything that he had in order to follow after Jesus. Because he understood that Jesus was of greater value. 
Now, what do we see Jesus do with Bartimaeus? Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) Interesting question. Just last week, we see the disciples, John and James, had come to Jesus and said to him, Jesus, promise us you'll do whatever we ask. Jesus doesn't give them any room <laughs> to ask for crazy stuff. Instead, he says, listen, tell me what you want, and then we'll, we'll talk. And they ask to be the two most important people in the kingdom of God, other than Jesus himself. He rebukes them, right? Tells them, that's not how we're going to lead in my kingdom. But here, what we see is Jesus responds to the faith of Bartimaeus with this wide open question. And that's because Jesus knows his heart. Jesus understands what Bartimaeus is coming to him for. Bartimaeus has already cried out twice, not for wealth. Hey, Jesus, would you throw a whole bunch of silver in my cloak? Hey, Jesus, I'm hungry. Would you, how about some some bread and some meat thrown over my way? Instead, Bartimaeus has simply cried out for mercy. I need you, Jesus, to do what you would do. Whatever you want to do to bring life to me. But Jesus asks him back, what is it that you actually want? The blind man says to him, rabbi. Now, the the form of rabbi, the word in Greek that that Bartimaeus uses here, is it's not the normal teacher that we see in other parts of the Gospels. That's what rabbi literally means. But instead, the word that he uses here is instead one more akin to my master, my Lord. In other words, he is already fully submitted to Christ, ready to do whatever Jesus asks of him and says to Jesus, I submit to you, just in this word he uses, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. So essentially, if it is your will, Master, if it's your will, Lord, can I see again? I would love to see again. He doesn't make demands. He doesn't go, well, Jesus, in your name, I just declare. Instead, he submits himself while letting the master know what he longs for. Now, it's a a beautiful thing that Jesus does, right? Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And after he went to church, for the next month and gave an appropriate amount of his income to Jesus' ministry and, um, you know, promised to always buy Jesus' latest book and CDs of of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, that, that he then began to slowly recover his sight, right? No. Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and then he followed after Jesus along the way. Now, Two words highlighted here, of course. You can see faith. Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. We have come to the point in in our Christian culture where faith is this thing that has its own life. But I want to tell you that there is no such thing as faith if there is not an object of faith. In other words, you can believe really hard in some things, right? You can believe in God, but if you don't trust in Him, you don't give your hopes 
and your dreams over into his hand. It's nothing. There, there's a song, I can't even remember the band now that did it. Uh, there's that, that's what faith can do. And, and um, it's, it's a really happy Christian song, and it makes you feel good by the time you're done listening to it. But it distracts you, because it sings about faith as though it were this thing. If you have enough faith, like there's a can of it somewhere at Sheets that you can buy and have, have enough or have more. But faith isn't this, this thing that we, we possess. Instead, faith is a practice of submitting to God. Faith is a practice of, of trusting in Jesus as the son of David, as the Messiah. So when, when we're talking about faith, we're talking about not that Bartimaeus had this measure of something intangible that maybe you can get more of if you just try hard enough or read your Bible more. But instead, Bartimaeus looked at Jesus and he believed. And he believed some very specific things about himself and about Jesus. And this is what faith is. Not that you sit there and go, oh, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But rather there is a... a, a, Thing that you know to be true and a person that you trust to rescue you out of your circumstances. The things that Bartimaeus believed, the things that he knew to be true, he knew that he was in need and he was completely unable to meet his own needs. He was at the mercy of God for all that he needed. He clearly believed in Jesus' lordship, that Jesus was king, was his master, was the one who could both give him direction in life, but rescue him and give him mercy in his time and place of desperate inability. But he also believed in Jesus' ability and Jesus' desire to meet his needs. He, he believed that Jesus really could give him his sight and that Jesus, the gracious and loving King, would give him his sight. He could and he would both. And so Bartimaeus didn't just have faith, like faith, faith, like have more faith. Well, you don't have enough faith. Well, you need more faith. What does that even mean, right? But what Bartimaeus had was a complete and unadulterated trust in Jesus Christ. And he had a, a complete and unwavering understanding of his own need to be saved. To follow after someone, to, to have a king in his life who could meet his needs. Bartimaeus didn't just have some magical words of, of hope, but rather he had genuine trust in Jesus. And responded by following after him. And believing that Jesus could heal him. Now, we look back once again at faith that isn't there from the life of the rich young ruler. And it says, Jesus had, had told him, he asked, Jesus, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus says, keep the Ten Commandments, essentially. And the man says, oh, I have got it all together. I've done all of those things from the time I was a child. Now, does that sound like someone who believes he has a need or an inability or, or 
that, that he is stuck in sin or suffering. No, this is a man who's pompous. So Jesus addresses his pomposity, his self-sufficiency, and said, okay, cool, I love you. Here's what you need to do next. Sell everything, get your focus back on me, trust in me, give it all to the poor, all of your stuff, and then come and follow after me. Bartimaeus, when he hears a similar call, throws off everything he owns and he runs to Jesus. The rich young ruler, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He loved his own life. He loved the things he had. He didn't understand his own need and his own desperate state. Jesus says to Bartimaeus, though, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Immediately, he has his sight, and he follows Jesus as a disciple. So here's the thing, as, as we look to Bartimaeus as an example of Christian life, as, as an example of what it means to respond to the call of Jesus in a way that brings healing and salvation, that we, we, we have to understand what is it that made this work for Bartimaeus. It wasn't anything that Bartimaeus did. It wasn't because he did his devotions enough or, or, or went, to, went to synagogue enough, which, by the way, he wouldn't have been allowed in synagogue. He wouldn't have been allowed in spiritual life because of his blindness. In fact, Bartimaeus is the least of the least. He's dejected. He's rejected. He's unable. He is a beggar. And like him, we need to come to a place where we when we encounter Jesus, understand our own need and inability. We are like blind beggars as the Savior passes. We have nothing. We can do nothing. We deserve nothing. And all we can do, like Bartimaeus, is cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. And we also need to understand that while we are dejected and outcast and broken by sin, that Jesus is Lord over all. He deserves all the worship and all the praise and all the glory. And yet, he still has the ability and the desire to rescue broken and lost and blind people like you and me. He doesn't look at us and go, yeah, you really do deserve where you're at. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't forgive that. Look at the mess you've made. Oh, I mean, I feel sorry for you, but I'm not going to do anything. He doesn't look at us like that. Instead, this king of creation, this Lord of all, he looks at us with love and he calls us to him. I love what we see the disciples telling Bartimaeus, take heart, get up, he is calling you. When we understand our own need, our own inability to be right or holy without salvation through Christ, when we understand he loves us so much that he is calling our name, saying, would you come to me? 
I want to heal you. I want to make you whole. I want to make you right. But you can't be caught up in your own self-righteousness, your own ability to do your thing, to, to solve your own problems. Instead, you need to come to me like this blind beggar, casting aside all your solutions and chasing after me and coming to me as your Lord. Here's the truth that Scripture tells us. We're all like the blind beggar, right? We're all broken. Romans 3.23 tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, it's easy to soft sell sin and to try and convince ourselves it's, it, we're just a little broken, we're just a little sideways, we just need a little help. Not only have we all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but Scripture makes it clear that the wages of sin, what we have earned for the sin we have committed and lived out, those ways that we have fallen short of God's goodness and expectations as clearly expressed in his word, what we have earned is death. That's what we deserve, is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Everybody has sinned and has come short of the glory of God. And it's easy, once we're a believer, to start looking down on others and be like the disciples who go, shh, no, you, you don't need Jesus. Get your life straight and then you can come to Jesus. Instead, understanding a truth about both Jesus and ourself. The Apostle Paul, when trying to train up the young pastor Timothy, in this letter to Timothy, says, this, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Why did Jesus come? Not to establish and make the world a better place and treat everybody nice and tell everybody how to sing kumbaya and behave better, but Jesus came to save sinners, to give his life for the blind and the broken and the ones who were desperately infected with the, the heinous consequences of rebellion against God. And if you're wondering if you are among those, remember Romans 3.23, you are. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and even once we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's important for us to have an attitude like Paul, who was a missionary, a pastor, a teacher, a mentor. He ended up giving his life for the sake of Christ. And yet as he writes to Timothy, telling him how to be a better leader, he says, Jesus came to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them. Now you might go, wow. Paul was the worst sinner? I bet he was, because I'm not a bad sinner. <laughs> Paul's not trying to tell us he's the worst. He's trying to teach us a perspective of each of us should see ourselves as most deserving of God's wrath and punishment. When we're honest with who we are, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? Well, if you look honestly, we should see something just amazing. A person who deserves God's wrath, who has been blessed with God's love. A person who deserves eternal death, that through Jesus Christ has been given eternal life. The truth is that you and I, we deserve nothing. And I, I don't mean we don't deserve any kind of punishment. What I mean is, is we literally deserve 
nothing. We should, we should be satisfied with anything because we deserve nothing when it comes to who we are in our sin nature. Paul wanted Timothy to re remember this attitude of, I'm the worst sinner in the world, and yet God can save even me. And so he can save every other sinner. And Jesus reminds us of this. He says, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Later we see it's everyone who would have faith on him. He gave his life as a ransom. And, and the beautiful thing is, is everyone who believes on Christ Jesus, just like Bartimaeus, is healed instantly and has his sight and then begins to follow after Jesus. 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, if we come to Christ and we tell him, I am a rebel, I deserve death, son of David, have mercy on me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, those things that we have confessed, and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, even the things we don't confess, even the things we've forgotten, even the things that we're trying to hide in the closet, and in some ways he's willing to, to cleanse us of that and, and bring us into full fellowship with himself. We deserve nothing, and yet he gives us everything. Everything is what he gives us. So this morning, as we wrap up, as we get ready to close out with one more cool song that actually lines up with this pretty well, which just blows my mind because I didn't even tell Jay. I, I want you to hear something. Unbeliever, somebody, if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time, I want to tell you, you are living in a place of spiritual death and disease and decay. And you need to know that Jesus is calling your name. He's calling out to you. He wants you to come after him, to follow him, to submit your life to him, to recognize your need for salvation, and to trust in him as your Lord and Savior. Christian, some of you who've professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been down a, a little bit of a side path in your spiritual life. Or you're in a place where you think that Jesus could never forgive you for that thing that you did, for that thought that you thought, for that plan that you made but never were able to carry out. You're, you're in a place where you, you feel like there, there's nothing he can do for me now. I've already burned up all his good favor with salvation the first time. I want you to know that you should take heart. You should get up. He is calling you. Come to him. Once again, recognize your need for your Savior. Once again, call out for mercy. Because he is willing every time we confess our sins to those, both forgive us of those sins and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness and bring us back into right standing with him. Like Bartimaeus receives his sight fully, we receive forgiveness instantly and fully when we return to Jesus Christ in faithfulness. So unbeliever, you've never trusted Jesus. Today is a day where you can be made whole once again. Believer, you've trusted in Jesus in the past, but you've been walking down a different path. And you've invited sin and, and weariness 
back into your life, I want to encourage you, he's calling your name too. Confess and come back and let him make you whole. So this morning, the lesson for all of us from blind Bartimaeus is that there is no one who is outside the mercy of Jesus. There is no one who is outside of his ability to renew and restore and bring healing and forgiveness and restoration. No one is in such a bad way that you can't come back to God. But it takes you hearing his voice and responding in submission and coming back to him and saying, my master, my Lord, do what you want with me. Let's pray together as we prepare to sing. Father, we thank you so much for all the love that you've given to us. We thank you for the, the picture of Bartimaeus. Help us to have a, a heart and a mindset of coming to you, Lord Jesus, and just crying out for your mercy. Knowing that we are sinners, our sin has purchased for us death, and destruction, and that only you can rescue us and make us whole and bring us to life. And so this morning, if, if there's someone here who for the first time needs to trust you, I pray that they would feel right this instant, just within their deepest being, a desire to know more of you, that like it's like you're calling their name like you're talking to them right now. I pray that they would feel that and acknowledge that and turn to someone here in the church and say, I'm ready. I need to know more about this following Jesus thing. For those of us who have made professions of faith, who have walked with you previously but have chosen our own path in the recent past, help us to cry out for mercy as well. Help us to come back to relying on you completely, Jesus. To no longer rely on our paychecks or our relationships or the security of a job or the warmth of our own homes for comfort and peace. But instead, we would acknowledge our need for you and come to you in submission in search of peace and restoration. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the beauty of your word as it reveals to us your heart, Lord Jesus, to save us, to give sight to the blind, to feed the hungry, to restore the brokenhearted. You long to rescue us. I pray that we would hear your call today and we would respond in faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all blind, now I'm seen in color. I was dead, now I'm living forever. I'd failed, but you were my redeemer. I've been blessed beyond all measure. I was lost, now I'm found by the Father. 
I've been changed from a ruin to a treasure. I've been killed in a home and a future. I've been blessed beyond all measure. I am counting every blessing. you to listen. He's calling your name. Take heart. Get up. He is calling you today. Will you respond in faith, giving up whatever it is that's been holding you back and trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether it's for the first time or just the first time today where you are willing to turn everything over to him again. Get up. Get up. He's calling to you. Take heart, my brothers and sisters. 
God bless. May you have an amazing week. I want to encourage you to be inviting folks to Easter service in two weeks. Nothing special in the sense of there'll be no bunnies. There'll be no laser lights. I'll, I'll hide an egg under your seat if that'll make you come. But, but just know that we are going to worship God. We are going to share the gospel clearly. And so if you've got unsaved or wandering friends and family members, know that um, it'll be an opportunity for them to hear the truth, present it as best we can, as best we know how, that Easter morning. So be inviting them. And also, if you're interested in baptism, be sure to get a hold of me. God bless. I love you all. I hope you hear his voice this week. I hope you hear his voice every morning. He is calling out to you. Rise up and return to him. Or come to him for the first time, whichever it is. And he will make you whole again. God bless and have an amazing week. See you guys throughout the weekend next Sunday.